You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so tonight, Be'ezras Hashem, we're going to be starting a new series of shirim, and it's going to be a series of shirim on the world of Shabbos, on the Indian of Shabbos, on the time of Shabbos. Now, before we even begin to enter into that shar ha'poinakadim, into that gate that opens once a week and allows us into that sanctity of Shabbos, we have to understand a little bit about where we're coming from. Because what we ended last week with was the possibility of hope, even when hope is no longer a possibility, that even in a space that is lower than the low, that somehow, some way, there's a patience that persists. There's a messinus, there's a, a willingness to wait for Yeshua, even when it appears to be completely outside of possibility that Yeshua is going to arrive. And in, in culminating those series of Shirim, I was struck once again with the desire to speak about anxiety, to speak about the inner world of anxiety, anxiety which is far from simply a diagnosis or a condition, but rather it's part and parcel and constitutive to what it means to be a human being, that every human being is anxious, simply a question of to what degree is that anxiety there. The volume is always playing, but it's a question of whether it's inaudible or whether it's deafening. And because every neshama, every soul, in particular the Jewish spirit, who on a certain level can be said to be responsible for the concept of anxiety, for the idea of anxiety, that because everybody experiences this, and sometimes in a more attuned fashion, or a more severe fashion, I thought that perhaps it would be appropriate to examine the world of anxiety, that world of anticipatory dread of facing an unknown future, and learning how to be mitmodeid, learning how to cultivate it through our tzaddikim, through our avos akadoshim, through Adam Arishon and Noyach, and Kain and Hevel, and Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov. But the more and more I thought about it, and the more I took my father's advice, it dawned on me that, as somebody just said to me right before this year, that it's been long enough that a person sits in the Emekabacha, in that valley of tears, in that space of the possibility of hope, or hopelessness, or learning how to find Hashem in the shadow of the apparent absence of God. And on a certain level, Rav Lach Sheves that the spiritual potency that can be cultivated within the hither side of human experience and all of its severity and its vicissitudes have been discussed by us throughout the series of Shirim that we've gone through. 
starting from Rav Kook, leading all the way up to the series of Shirman Hope. And Rav Lachshavasi Mekabacha, sometimes it's time to go weiter, it's time to move forward, to, to learn how to leap or be medaleg al haharim, to be medaleg, to leap above that natural tendency to want to speak about anxiety and to speak about really the polar opposite of anxiety. And the polar opposite of anxiety is the world of Shabbos. So some people who are interested in hearing about the series of Shirim on anxiety, my response to them humbly was that anything that I can possibly say about Shabbos is only born out of the awareness of anxiety. Because the more anxious a person is, the more difficult things feel for a person, the more frightening things feel for a person in their own particular lives, the more potent and powerful the experience of Shabbos is going to be. That as we're going to see throughout these shirim, without the chol, there is no Shabbos. And without Shabbos, there is no chol. That the dialectical sway between mundanity and, and holiness, or between the sacred and the profane, is not a dance of two opposites or a contradiction where one needs to give way to the other, but rather it's a paradox where each uphold its opposite. So that on Shabbos, if we want to really truly understand the life-saving vitality that Shabbos truly offers, there also has to be a zikaron, a memory of the anxiety of the week. Just as if a person wants to survive the anxiety of the week, there has to be a zikaron of the manucha of Shabbos. So when we speak about Shabbos, it's not simply that we're ignoring the concept of anxiety, but rather we're moving beyond the concept of anxiety. We're taking anxiety and allowing it to propel us and drive us towards that space, which is really the only place where we find relief from that bone-crushing anxiety, which is Shabbos. And on a certain level, we all know what anxiety feels like. We all know what it feels like to be worried, what it feels like to be lost, wandering, no longer aware of where a person is going to find their sturdy ground. We all know that feeling. We all know it incredibly well. We might not be able to convey it to another person. We might not even be able to convey it to ourselves. But ultimately, in our heart of hearts, each and every one of us knows what it means to be displaced, what it means to be wandering, what it means to be living in a world of lech lecha, as Dr. Benji Epstein points out so beautifully in his book, Living in the Presence, which we'll discuss a little bit later on. We all know what that feeling is. We all know what it looks like. We all know what it smells like. But what we don't know and what we're not all aware of is the life-saving power that Shabbos offers from that human condition, from that difficult sense that we're always wandering, that we're always worrying, that we're always bothered, Shabbos comes along and offers us an antidote. It offers us an insight into a world that is not yet present. Now, what I want to do tonight is I want to speak about, in a very general sense, Shabbos, and then to describe what this series of Shirim is going to look like, because it's going to be somewhat different from the previous series, in the sense that it's not associated with any particular tzaddik, although everything that I say is going to be coming from the words of the tzaddikim and from the svarim hakadoshim and from the living tzaddikim and the tzaddikim asher ba'aretz heima va'adiri kol chafsei bam beprat Rabbi Nachman ben Feiga tzaddik yisoyed olam nachal nevei makor chachma And tonight I want to just introduce very delicately 
what Shabbos means to me. And on a certain level, the Zohar HaKadosh points out that Shabbos is the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Bnei Yisachar in his opening drasha on Amari Shabbos points out that based on the Zohar HaKadosh, when you multiply the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is the Gematria 26, by the 22 letters of the Aleph base, what you come out with is the numerical value of 702, which is the Gematria of Shabbos. And what the Zohar says is that Shabbos ihu shma de kudshabrihu de ihu shalim mikol sitzra, that it's the fullest expression of the name. So, on a certain level, the experience of Shabbos is not simply an experience of psychological situatedness in time, but rather it's an engagement with the concept of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And just as when it comes to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we say that it's a God of our understanding, or as the Zayar HaKadosh points out, each person according to the conjecture of their own heart, their own grasp of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that it's it's my personal understanding of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and it's not Yenem's understanding, and it's not anybody else's understanding, and I can't impose my own relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu on someone else, as Rabbi Nachman points out so powerfully in the first teaching in Sichos Haran. Those same halachos of the ineffability of God's name, so to speak, or the impossibility of grasping any definitive understanding of what that name means, those same halachos are going to blur the lines and melt into the realm of Shabbos as well. So that on a certain level, just as each and every person has their own personal understanding and experience and subjective phenomenological lived state of Shabbos, uh, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so too each person is going to have their own individualized experience of Shabbos. And that one person's experience of Shabbos is not going to be another person's experience of Shabbos, which is why one of the constitutive elements of Shabbos and what Masech Shabbos begins with, as our tzaddikim point out, as the Maharal points out, as the Pachad Yitzchak points out, is the concept of moving from Rishos Harabim, that domain of multiplicity where everybody is engaged in the same thing, in that Kaliyut, in that generalized vision, and it's a movement into Rishas HaYachid, a movement into the, into the domain of unity, where each and every person is considered a world unto themselves. Because my understanding of Shabbos is different than anybody else's understanding of Shabbos, just as my understanding of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is different than anybody else's understanding of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But be that as it may, that Da'aga B'Lev Ish Yasichen as Chazal tell us when there's worry in the heart of man, that the goal is to speak it out to others because of the cathartic power of the speech act, so too talking about Shabbos will hopefully offer some sort of insight of that somehow, some way, my own personal experience of Shabbos, for anybody who's interested in hearing the echoes of what I'm trying to convey, will allow it to enter into their experience of Shabbos and to animate their experience in some way or another. The story that I want to start off with, and this is a story that I've told in the past, is a story with the Holy Brothers, the famous brothers, Rabbi Limelech of Lezhensk and Rav Zushimianipol. The Holy Brothers who would wander around the earth, wandering from place to place, station to station, trying to uncover godliness, entering into the pits of hell, the gates of hell, quite literally, 
entering into all of those corners, those pockets of darkness throughout Eastern Europe and all of the broken, burnt down places that the Jewish people would eventually find themselves in. And their job, like any tzaddik, was to uncover light and to pave a path and prepare the way for their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren who would eventually find themselves traveling and traversing in those darkened mountains of Gullus and exile. And the story goes that these two brothers, Rav Melech and Rav Zushia, were discussing the power and the experience that they felt on Shabbos. The joy that they had by sitting at the tish, at the table with their Hasidim, sharing Torah, dressed in their Shabbos clothing, in their big day Shabbos, with their Strymel and their Bekesha, discussing the power of Shabbos, that feeling of Gan Eden that Shabbos offers. And as Sadiqim do, in the midst of their excitement, in the midst of their ecstatic statements about their spiritual experience on Shabbos, they began to question their motives. They began to question the psychological motivation behind their joy on Shabbos. And they began with an anxiety-ridden sense to feel that perhaps it wasn't Shabbos that was giving them joy. It wasn't Shabbos that was offering them that comfort, but rather it was the service of themselves. It was the joy that they experienced because there were Hasidim listening to their Torah or the joy that they experienced because people were clapping at the table along with them. And they decided for themselves to test their efficacy, to test their commitment to Shabbos. And they said, you know, let's see. Let's see if we really love Shabbos or not. We'll dress up in our Bekashas, and we'll dress up in our Strymalach, and we'll set up our Tishin, and we'll invite our Hasidim, and we'll say Torah, and we'll sing Nigunim. But we'll do it during the week. We'll do it when it's not Shabbos. And if we feel the same joy and excitement and power that we feel on Shabbos during the week, then it will be clear to us that our true motivation is not lishma. Our true motivation is not Shabbos itself, but rather it's self-serving. It's our ego on a certain level, whatever that means by the tzaddikim. And Kachava, the brothers of Elimelech and Rav Zusha set up their tushin and they dressed in their Shabbos best and they wore their strimalach and they wore their gartels and they wore their bekashas and they invited their chasidim and they held tish in the middle of the week in the midst of the emekabacha in that profane space of the olam of chol and they felt that hisairus they felt that excitement they felt the joy of shabbos they felt that dveikus they felt that unification with the kaddish baruch Hu and with themselves and they met each other on the way afterwards and they said oy vey oy vey look at us look at us serving ourselves it's so clear that our joy had nothing to do with Shabbos, but rather our joy had everything to do with that self-serving nature of our own experience. Because if it was truly about Shabbos, we wouldn't have felt this excitement. And they were so overwhelmed, they were so broken that they decided to go to their Rebbe, the Magad of Mezrich, the Talmud Muvak and the Shoifar, the Peh of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh. The individual responsible for the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh's Torah coming into the world in the way that we understand it. And they came to their Rebbe and they cried and they were broken and they said, Rebbe, Rebbe, it's become apparent to us that we weren't serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We weren't serving Shabbos. We were serving ourselves. And they told the whole Maisa to the Magad of Mezrich. They told the entire Maisa to him. And the Magad sat there stroking his beard. Or perhaps he wasn't stroking his beard. Perhaps I'm projecting. But the Magad sat there and he listened. And the Magad opens his eyes after a few minutes and he says, Chevra, you're surprised? You're surprised that you felt Shabbos because you pretended that it was Shabbos? 
you're surprised that you felt Shabbos when you put on your Bekasha and your Strymel and you set up your table and you began to speak to your Hasidim as if it was Shabbos? That is Shabbos. Shabbos is the power to be able to feel Shabbos even during the week. Because Shabbos is that world where we can enter into, where even when it's not Shabbos, we can begin to taste Shabbos. And that's ultimately what the guiding principle of this shir, these series of shirim are going to be. Because Shabbos, as opposed to looking at it as a time of the week or a specific moment on the calendar, what I'm going to try and show through the tzaddikim, schusam yagon aleinu, is that Shabbos is a mindset, that Shabbos is a way of being, that Shabbos is a mode of being in this world that is not dependent on any particular calendar date or weekday, but rather it's dependent on the mindful awareness and the concentration and the attentive gaze of the mind on the concept of Shabbos. Now, I do need to admit this, and I know I speak in hyperbole very often, but my, my very dear friend, Dr. Benji Epstein, wrote a book called Living in the Presence. And in the book Living in the Presence, there's a chapter at the end about Shabbos, almost as if Shabbos is the culmination of any mindful concept of psychological situatedness in the world. And, and I mean this when I say it, that go and buy the book, go and read that chapter, because that chapter encompasses what the tzaddikim say about Shabbos. Dr. Benji Epstein has the unique schus of sitting by a tzaddik and learning the Torahs of a tzaddik of Avram Tzvi Kluger, whose writings on Shabbos, Yichud HaShabbos, two volumes on Shabbos, say everything that can possibly be said about Shabbos. Everything that can possibly be said. And what Benji does is he translates those concepts into a psychological language that applies to our generation in a particularly precise way. So I'm not going to be reading from that chapter, although I have the book in front of me and it will be in front of me as long as I am talking about Shabbos. But I highly recommend, and this is not some kind of opportunity to advertise. I mean this when I say it. I don't think that there is anything written about the power of Shabbos as strongly as what Dr. Benji Epstein writes about in his book, Living in the Presence. Because there we're going to see so many of the ideas that are going to be discussed in these series of shirim. The Gemara asks a question of what a person is supposed to do when they find themselves lost in a midbar, what a person is supposed to do when they find themselves wandering in a desert. And it doesn't only mean a desert. It doesn't only mean a person back then in Tanayic times that was wandering in a desert. It means all of us. It means all of us who are wandering and lost in the deserts of our lives, dehydrated for spirituality, thirsting for some sense of comfort, no longer knowing which way is up, which way is down, which way is back, and which way is forward. And the question is, what happens when a person finds themselves lost in that midbar? When a person finds themselves lost in that existential vacuum where spirituality no longer comforts the anxieties of the heart, where the comforting teachings of our tzaddikim no longer silent the voices of the mind. And Chazal have a discussion as to what a person should do in order to keep Shabbos. And there's two opinions at the Machlokas. One Manda Amr, one Tana says that they should wait six days and then keep Shabbos. 
And one Manda Amr says that they should stop what they're doing, keep Shabbos, and then count six days afterwards. And in spite of the fact that lahalacha, what we decide based on the law, is that a person should wait six days and then keep Shabbos. Nevertheless, the fact that it's even a machlokas, the fact that there's even an opinion, a hava amina, in the Gemara that says that a person can stop what they're doing and keep Shabbos right now, what it reveals to us is that Shabbos is not simply a matter of chronology. That Shabbos is not a question of a calendar date, as if the sun's cycle around the earth, or the earth's cycle around the sun, rather, has anything to do with the reality of Shabbos, but rather Shabbos is a mindset that a person can tap into. That there's a manda amr that says, if you feel that it's Shabbos, it becomes Shabbos for you. And that's going to be, again, the guiding principle that Shabbos is mindfully being aware of the concept of Shabbos. So that anything we say about Shabbos is not limited to the day of Shabbos itself, but it's something that can be experienced throughout the week. Rabbi Nachman writes as follows. In Torah Yud Zayin, in Lekutimar Antinyana. A person has to be exceedingly careful, exceedingly focused on being joyous and having a heart of gladness and goodness on Shabbos. Because the greatness and the power of Shabbos is beyond understanding. And then Rabbi Nachman does something which he doesn't very often do. He focuses on a particular source. He says, Kamuvan, Bereshis Chachma, Bashar Kedusha, Betchilaso. And he has incredible Ashonos, and Amir Tzashem will be able to discuss those teachings in the future. And Rabbi Nachman continues and he says, Because through Shabbos, through Simchan Shabbos, through finding joy on Shabbos, Hayira Beshlemus, that fear, that awareness of godliness is finally full in its manifestation. That on Shabbos, our fear, our worry, our difficulties are unified with Das, are unified with our wisdom, with our ability to connect to Hashem. Because during the week, it's possible that our fear, that our discomfort in the world will be with foolishness, anxiety, foolish fears, meaningless fears. That your fear is your foolishness. Anticipatory anxiety about every different thing that can go wrong in our lives. The things that keep us awake during the week. Those fears that I'm not enough and that the world is not enough and that other people are not enough or that I'm not doing things in the right way or that I'm not lishma enough or what's going to happen tomorrow or how am I going to handle this or that or the other thing or that natural overwhelming sense that an individual feels when they wake up in the morning before they say moda'ani and they feel Oy vey, today is going to be just too overwhelming for me. That fear is yira im ksilus. It's a fearfulness that is rooted in foolishness, in the absence of godliness. V'ikr ha 
And the essential source of that foolishness, that anxiety, that fallen fear, that anticipatory anxiety about what happens next, it's a result of that enslavement that we experience during the mundane week. Because when we experience the week, when we're hurtled over onto ourselves with our broken backs, where the burden of the world is too heavy for us, each and every person in their own way, when our backs are broken by our pekelach and by our baggage that we carry, our fear can't be full. Our fear is fallen. It's anxiety. It's a fear of something that is not real. And our das is not shalim. Because of the result of the weak and the result of exile and the result of that existential posture of the soul, our das is mabulbal. It's scattered. It's all over the place. But on Shabbos, it's freedom. And when there's freedom and we're no longer buckling under the weight of exile, and we're no longer swallowed up by the anticipatory fear of what comes next without our ability to know the future, then our das, then our awareness is full, and we're able to finally pay attention. We're able to finally center our minds on what is most important, which is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is Shabbos, that he has placed into our world. And the aspect of that the joy that we force ourselves into, the pleasure that we imagine ourselves having on Shabbos, that is the chayrus, that is the freedom we have. Through that joy, our wisdom, our awareness is full. And that's how we become free. Because as a result of happiness and joy, that's how we exit the slavery of the mundane week. When Rabbi Nassim heard this teaching, when Rabbi Nassim heard this teaching, and this is going to be expressed in Sicho Saran, Ois Kuf Nun Hey, 155. Rabbi Nassim heard this teaching, and he heard his Rebbe say that Shabbos is the medicine for everything. That that day in the week where a person is able to put their baggage down, to stop running, to stop being so afraid and rather to sit in the presence of mindfulness and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that that's the biggest Eitzah of it all. And Rabbi Nachman turns to Rabbi Nassim after teaching this teaching and he says, now you have a reason to have Mara now you have a reason to be depressed, Rabbi Nassan, because I've now told you about the power of Shabbos, and you're likely going to feel that, oy vey, I can't even live up to that. I can't even live up to that state of Shabbos. And you're going to feel bad, says Rabbi Nachman. And Rabbi Nassan says something incredible. He says that in truth, Rabbi Nachman read my mind at that point, because that's what I was thinking. He, he understood my mind. Because after Rabbi Nachman told this whole teaching about Shabbos, 
I began to worry, how am I going to find this happiness on Shabbos? How am I going to find this joy on Shabbos? And then Rabbi Nachman continues and he says, ah, now you have a reason to be upset. Rabbi Nassim says he really understood what I was saying. And then Rabbi Nassim writes as follows, and this is what's going to bring us back to that story of Rabbi Elimelech and his brother of Zushia about pretending that it's Shabbos. And the answer of the Rebbe who says, are you surprised that you pretended it's Shabbos and you felt Shabbos? That's the whole secret of Shabbos. Rabbi Nassim writes, that during the time where Rabbi Nachman was speaking very strongly about the need to find joy on Shabbos, as Anisi Amarti, Rabbi Nassim says, I answered and I said, Ani I really want to find the ability to find joy on Shabbos. I want to allow myself that moment during the week that gives me access to the comfort that I so desperately seek. The Kavnasi Haya, and my intention, says Rabbi Nassim, was even if I can't truly experience joy on Shabbos, I truly desire to be besimcha on Shabbos. And I've already heard from my Rebbe how great it is to desire something even though I might not be able to reach it. What Rabbi Nassim is saying is something that is incredibly modern for each and every one of us. Let's say Shabbos is nothing different than the rest of the week. Let's say Shabbos doesn't feel like anything special. What then? What happens then? How do I free myself from that exile of the spirit? How do I elevate myself out of that suffocating anxiety of the chol? that yira im kasilas, those fallen fears, which tell me that everything is negative, that everything is broken, that everything is overwhelming. How does one free themselves? Is it enough if I pretend, says Rabbi Nassim? Is it enough if I desire it? Is it enough if I pretend it's Shabbos, like Rav Elimelech and Rav Zusha taught us? Anav amar laha'olam. Rabbi Nachman answered not only to Rabbi Nassim's question, but to all of us, as we've said, that very often Rabbi Nachman answers not to the person who asks the question, but to the rest of history. Rabbi Nachman understood that he was not speaking simply to his Talmidim, he was speaking, speaking to all of us. Rabbi Nachman answered and he said to the entire world, to the entire Hebra that were there at that moment, did he hear what he said? Did he hear what Rabbi Nassim said? Did he hear what he said about the desire to be happy on Shabbos, even if you can't truly be happy on Shabbos? He spoke very good. He said the truth. What we see from this little Maisa with Rabbi Nachman and Rabbi Nassim is that ultimately Shabbos is about pretending pretending that we feel Shabbos. The Morinayim and the Orachayim HaKadosh point out, based on the Mimer of Chazal, that Ba Shabbos Ba Menucha, 
that when Shabbos comes into a person's life, Menucha enters into a person's life. Calmness of spirit enters into a person's life. The ability to take a deep breath and to inhale and then exhale and to rest assured that no matter what has gone on during the week, no matter what anxieties or overwhelmingness or brokenness or tzibrachinkeit or anger and frustration and, and, and kefira and denial and bilbul and suffake and depression and all of the different things that attack us during the chol, all of those malbushe chol, all of those garments that we wear during the week, even if we don't feel that those garments are being removed from us, Nevertheless, on Shabbos, what we're tasked with is the belief in Shabbos. We're not called to feel Shabbos. We can't force ourselves to feel something that we don't feel. As the Balasulam Sulam, points out numerous times, Ein kefiyah baruchnias. There's no compulsion in holiness. Then when it comes to feeling a holy experience, when it comes to feeling a powerful spiritual experience, you can't fake it. Either you feel it or you don't. But what Rabbi Nachman is teaching us is that even though a person might not feel it, we can believe in it. And if you believe in Shabbos and you desire Shabbos, that also serves the purpose of bringing Menucha. As Chazal say that Shabbos, when Shabbos comes, a person has to see to it as if as if all of a person's work is done. And the Morinayim and the different Sadikim, the Priha'aretz, the Vitebsker, they point out that this doesn't only mean mundane factors. It doesn't only mean the mundanity of our week and our work, but it means spiritually as well that when Shabbos comes, a person has to see to it as if everything is completed. But it's ki'ilu asuya, as if all of our work is done. Even if a person doesn't feel that they've accomplished anything, even if a person still feels stuck in the mire of, of the week, in the anxiety of the week, in the brokenness of the week, when Shabbos comes, we are tasked with the ability to utilize our imaginations and pretend that it's Shabbos, to draw Shabbos into our week no matter where we are. When we're lost in the desert, it might not even really be Shabbos. It might be Monday or Tuesday or, or Wednesday. Nevertheless, if we set our mindset straight, it, it becomes Shabbos for us. It actually becomes Shabbos. asuya, As if everything is completed. And when a person creates that space in their mind, when a person chooses to look at their lives and their situatedness and their experiences in all of their particularities as if everything is okay, the miracle is that we begin to feel okay, even when things are not okay. That's the promise of Shabbos. Prom the promise of Shabbos is how to draw the future into the present how to draw that redemptive sense of Mashiach, of the future, of what we've been hoping for, into the present, even though it's not here yet. Even though there's fires around us, even though there's brokenness around us. Nevertheless, when a person draws Shabbos into the week, it's a me'ein o'ilam haba. It's as if we're in the world to come. 
And as the Zohar Kaddish tells us, don't read it, don't read that sentence as if it's as if it's Olam Haba, but it's a Ma'ayan Olam Haba. It's a stream of the world to come that slowly melts into our mundane experience so that our situatedness and our mindfulness becomes infused and saturated and inflamed with the consciousness of Shabbos, even before it's Shabbos. That's what it means to accept Shabbos before Shabbos arrives, to taste the food of Shabbos on Arab Shabbos, to know what that eventual taste will be like, even though we don't feel it yet. If we pretend and we believe that it's Shabbos, it becomes Shabbos for us. We see our world in our days. The teaching that I'm going to show right now is a teaching that I only discovered about a year ago, but I think I've taught it or shared it with anybody who's listening multiple times, three or four times. It's a teaching from the Kajnitzer Magad and Avodas Yisrael. The Kajnitzer Magad, when discussing the experience of Kayan, which is ultimately the experience of all of us, someone who makes a big mistake, someone who leaves holiness and enters into that palace of impurity, finding themselves guilty in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu having no belief in themselves, standing at the entrance of the chait, of Bepesach Chatas Reuvets, of feeling that the moment I stop paying attention, I will be swallowed up by that abysmal sense of anxiety and despair. Of Gadol Avanoisi Menzoya, that my burden is too strong for me to bear. We're all from the world of Kayan. We're all from that place of feeling that we have done something unforgivable. And that as a result of that, we're being chased. As a result of that, we can't find comfort anywhere. That is our curse. That is our desire to make kinyanim, to acquire things in the world, which comes from the same language as kayin. Because when we feel displaced from our true source of spiritual situatedness, the next best thing is to acquire, is to devour, is to objectify and consume, to live in that world of chol, in the hopes that it will satisfy that undying desire that we have for holiness. And Cain finds himself punished. Cain finds himself punished as a result of his sin, as a result of his transgression. And the punishment that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives him is no v'nad that you're going to wander around the land and you're not going to be able to settle down anywhere. And the Kajanitzer Magid asks the question in Parshas Bereshis, what kind of punishment is this? Cain can stop wherever he wants to. Cain can settle himself wherever he wants to. And the Kajanitzer Magid says something so incredible that if it wasn't written, I wouldn't believe it. He says that, yes, a human being can settle where they want. But what God did to Cain is he spread a partition in his mind that prevented Cain from finding Yishav Hadas from encountering mindfulness. And instead, what Cain felt was anxiety, that wherever I am, I'm in the wrong place. That wherever I am, I need to be elsewhere. That there are other things I need to be doing, other people I need to be speaking to, other activities I need to be accomplishing. And when I feel that I need to be elsewhere, I feel that there are other things I should be doing, that detracts from where I am right now. 
Hashem spread a, a thin layer of bilbul, of anxiety in the mind of Cain, that prevented him from ever being settled in his mind. And that was the punishment. That's no v'nad But the Pasuk also tells us that Hashem gave Cain an ois. Cain said to Hashem, this punishment is too much for me to bear. I can't live in a world of anxiety my whole life. I can't live wandering here and there, up and down, without any structure in my life. I need das. I need to have one moment where I can feel comforted that I am still in your world, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Hashem says, you're right, I'm going to give you a sign. I'm going to give you a sign that people won't kill you, that people won't destroy you. And according to Chazal, this sign was Shabbos. Ois Shabbos Nasnulo. That Hashem gave Kayin the promise of Shabbos. And the Kajnit Sermagid writes as follows. Ulechein Amru B'Medrash. Chazal tell us that Ois Shabbos Na'el B'Fanav. That Hashem gave the sign of Shabbos in front of Kayin. Perush, what does that mean? Sha'al kol panim, that even though the whole week is cut through with anxiety and worry and brokenness and sabrachinkait and darkness and coldness and all of the different symptoms that each and every one of us experience, b'yoyim Shabbos kaidesh, haya nidvak b'bayri yisparach v'haisalei menucha, on Shabbos, Cain was able to be calm. On Shabbos, Cain was able to find mindfulness. On Shabbos, Cain was able to attach himself to that possibility of being okay in this world, of drawing the light of redemption into the mundanity of the week, of me'ein o'ilam haba, of believing in our ability to live as if the world to come is here right now. That is the gift of Shabbos. That is the gift of the light of Shabbos. That's what we're hoping for. Rabbi Nachman tells in his Maisios, in the story of the Ben Ever and the Ben Melech who were Nichlaf, that the son of the pauper and the son of the prince who were flipped, that the hero of the story has to enter into a field, has to enter into a sadeh, a garden to be tested as to whether he is worthy of being the true king of the town of wise people. And the guards of that garden say, be careful because when you enter into this garden, you are going to be chased. They are going to run after you. You are going to live with a sense that you are guilty for something that you might not even know what you're guilty of. A sense of primordial guilt. A sense of, I am broken and I haven't done enough and therefore I am liable to all of the anxieties that make my heart bump in the night. But the main thing is not to be afraid. And if you're not afraid, then you're worthy to be king. And he enters into the garden and he's being chased. And he's not afraid. He's not afraid because he feels safe. And that safe feeling that he has allows him to be called king. And the students of Rabbi Nachman asked the question. They said, how did he feel safe? What did he connect himself to that allowed him to face those feelings of being chased without giving way to that anxiety, without being swallowed whole by that drowning feeling. 
And they answer all in one voice. They say it was Shabbos. He connected to Shabbos. That Shabbos is that promise that even though the waves are strong and high, nevertheless, yesh inyan there is something that transforms everything. There's a mindset, there is a moment in time, there's a palace in time that a person can tap into and draw that water down into their lives to irrigate that quiet and tired soul with the strength of the future even before the future arrives. To end tonight's shear, which can continue for a long time, I want to end with a teaching from Maharan, from Rabbi Nachman. So Rabbi Nachman asks a question that Chazal tell us that in the world to come, that the tzaddikim are going to sit and their crowns are going to be on their heads. Something that is reserved for the future, something that is reserved for those who are worthy, that they'll have crowns of mindfulness and mindful focus placed upon their heads. And Rabbi Nachman asks the question, it shouldn't say itrosechem biroshehem. It shouldn't say that their crowns are in their head. It should say itrosechem alroshehem, that their crowns are atop their head, as if they have been placed atop them. What Rabbi Nachman says is something incredible. Rabbi Nachman says that in truth, the crowns of Lasid Lavo are already in our own minds that we all live with the capacity of tapping into that place of Shabbos, into that place of me'ein o'ilam haba. It's a question of being mezachich, our thoughts. It's a question of attuning in and dropping out of the mundanity of the week and tuning in to the mindfulness of Shabbos, to that state of mind of Shabbos. And Be'ezra Hashem, what we're going to discuss in the future shirim are going to be the three parts of Shabbos. Before Shabbos, during Shabbos, and after Shabbos. The past, the present, and the future. The desire for something before we have it. The transient feeling of something as we have it. And the longing for something after we've left it. And Be'ezra Hashem, through the writings of our tzaddikim, both living and dead, in particular, Rabbi Nachman of Breslov and Lahavdil and Yavdil ben Chaim, Lachaim, Rav Yitzhak Meyer Morgenstern Shlita. We're going to learn and we're going to discuss how to experience Arab Shabbos, how to experience Shabbos, and how to experience Moitzei Shabbos, so that ultimately we can realize that Shabbos is simply a state of mind that we can draw into our lives at any given moment. And Be'ezra Sashem, we will begin to learn what it is that we've been hoping for for so long. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.